Welcome to the Candida Chronicles with our host, Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. In this podcast, Michael will answer your questions and reveal the shocking truth that the cause of most chronic ailments is not what you've been told. The source is Candida, a yeast overgrowth which, when it becomes systemic, can cause all sorts of seemingly unrelated ailments such as chronic fatigue syndrome and even weight gain. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330. And now, without further ado, Michael Biamonte. Today we're going to be talking about candida and pregnancy. Uh, This is something that I feel is overlooked very often by practitioners and by uh, doctors. It's a very straight-ahead subject. Uh, There's not much confusion here. And most people will agree to some of the basic tenets that I'm going to throw out today on the subject. The first thing that one needs to know is that estrogen worsens candida. And I believe we've covered this before. And this is a solid fact. The reason why estrogen worsens candida is twofold. The first is that estrogen causes an increase in glucose in the pelvic area in the small blood cells and capillaries. And estrogen also causes the vaginal area to kind of plump up during puberty due to the storage of glycogen in that region. Since yeast and fungus both love glycogen and glucose, they are very easily fed by this increase in these two sugars. Estrogen, though, also has a growth factor to it, which many people would recognize because we do know that one of estrogen's effects on the female anatomy is to make a fetus grow. Estrogen not only makes a fetus grow, but estrogen also makes tumors of all types grow, both benign and malignant. Estrogen also makes candida grow because of the growth factor that it has. So when one is pregnant, one will experience an increase in candida activity and in yeast activity. The downside to this is that when the child is born in the pregnancy and the child comes down the birth canal, the child is apt to literally pick up candida from the mom in the birth canal and then can be born colicky, can be born with thrush in the mouth, just generally can be born with an imbalanced flora and have an excess of candida which later on in life will develop into asthma, eczema, all types of autoimmune complexes, perhaps psoriasis, chemical sensitivities, and even leaky gut syndrome. I have treated hundreds of children over the years uh, from the ages of infancy up to puberty, for that matter, who had chronic candida at birth. And I can tell you it's not an easy job. The reason why it's not easy is because children can have problems with compliance on the candida diet. And that makes it a bit of a challenge. But it's a horrible thing to see a young child born with candida because of the obvious thrush and the the pain that that causes when you swallow, you see. 
So this is a bad, a bad thing. Just to set the record straight, and in the inverse is also true where low levels of estrogen also can cause candida. It's the interesting thing about estrogen in that if it's too high or too low, you can both get candida rising because of how estrogen affects the intestinal flora. Vaginal eczema is something which is very uncomfortable. And uh, vaginal eczema often is caused due to actually a low level of estrogen. You would often think that it would be high, but it's typically not. It's typically low. So this is another thing to look for if there's a low estrogen situation. But in pregnancy, uh, in pregnancy, the key is high estrogen and it will aggravate the candida. Caffeine and sugar in a pregnant woman is very bad with the combination of high estrogen because it will aggravate the candida more so than caffeine and sugar would in a non-pregnant woman. The solution for this is not an easy one, and it often can not be a very effective one in most cases where you're dealing with very primitive protocols. Uh, the candida diet, of course, is very important for the pregnant woman, and the, the, we all know the basis of the candida diet. We've covered it here before over and over again in different podcasts. The concept of the candida diet is low sugar, low starch, a lot of vegetables, lean proteins. If you're a type O uh, blood type, fatty proteins. If you're a B or an A, it would be lean protein. Of course, the B would also avoid chicken. Uh, type Bs don't react very well to chicken. But the basic candida diet is very important when you're pregnant. Pregnant women tend to have a lot of cravings. This tends to interfere with doing the diet correctly. Unless you're eating six small meals a day, which can sometimes make a big difference in a pregnant woman and the candida diet. Using the hemp seeds, which are called hemp hearts from the health food store, about a tablespoon or so three times a day added to your salad or added to cereal or anything actually, can make a big difference in... Um, controlling the sugar cravings, which will make the diet worse. Medications can aggravate this condition as well. Um, interestingly enough, it's been found that antidepressant drugs aggravate candida in a pregnant woman more so than they do in a non-pregnant woman. That's very interesting. Uh, the use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, often referred to as um, non NSAIDs. NSAIDs can aggravate the candida in the pregnant woman more so. Ibuprofen, uh, aspirin, many of these drugs irritate the gut lining. So that's something to be aware of. Definitely avoid these things. If you're pregnant, probably not a good idea for a pregnant woman to be taking antidepressant drugs anyway. 
So we have diet, we have avoiding antidepressant drugs, and avoiding aspirin, avoiding NSAIDs. These are key things in the pregnant woman trying to combat candida. And there we come to supplements where it's a very limited view on what we can have. Because many supplements are not, uh, have not been tested by drug companies or vitamin companies, they're not approved by the FDA of, to be used while you're pregnant. But on the other hand, the FDA hasn't disapproved them either, so it's up to the manufacturer. Many of the manufacturers are going to put a warning on the label saying not to be used if you're pregnant or lactating or nursing, only because they don't know any better, and they're putting that out there just in case someone does have a problem this way, there is no legal recourse you have against them because they can say that they did warn you. But I can tell you there has been no testing on this at all. In the field of nutrition, there have been no studies or no tests on pregnant animals with any of the uh, herbs or antifungal supplements. In the medical field, I think probably the same is true. Um, it's easier for the drug companies just to put a warning on the label saying not to use this if you're pregnant than it is for them to actually do a study on this. So that kind of leaves the pregnant woman out there uh, in the lurch, so to speak. No one seems to have come up with any type of protocol for pregnant women when you have candida, whether it's a pharmaceutical drug protocol or a natural one, because everyone's essentially afraid of getting sued. This is quite interesting. Uh, to make matters worse, estrogen and candida are very synergistic organisms. Estrogen, as I covered earlier, makes candida grow, and candida actually sends out a signal, or actually candida produces certain waste products which mimic estrogen in the body. So this double aggravates the situation. Now, I've made a pretty good study of this over the years, and I have found that the safest supplements for a pregnant woman to take that can be effective in reducing um, the candida level fall into two categories. And this is, this is quite interesting. Uh, and I've, I've studied this from a theoretical viewpoint of how these supplements work in the body. I cannot say that we have any studies that have been done with pregnant animals or Reese monkeys or any such thing. This is just simply theoretical. Uh, but since we've been doing it for a good many years and we've never had any problem with this theoretically, I think it's safe to say that this is workable. The first category of supplements which we find to be safe in pregnant women are fatty esters. This would be substances like lorisedin, caprylic acid, undesalinic acid. We find that these are safe for pregnant women to take based on the fact that they're a fatty ester. And these are essentially being looked by the body as food. These substances are very effective at killing intestinal candida or regulating intestinal candida because of that. The mechanism of action or mode of action of fatty acids, uh, fatty acid antifungals, is interesting because it's kind of unique. There really isn't any other antifungal herb or substance which has the same mechanism of action and how it kills the candida. 
And the fact that the body recognizes it as a food and not a drug is even better. Lorisidin is actually found in mother's milk. Caprylic acid is a derivative of coconut. And the um, undersalenic acid is a derivative of castor oil. Some companies have ventured to make undersalenic acid, I've heard, uh, from olive oil, but I don't know that that's true. I, only, I know of it from the original source of being a castor oil derivative. The second group of substances which are highly effective in dealing with candida in a pregnant women are called soil-based organisms. SBOs. Soil-based organisms are an interesting lot of uh, microbes. They essentially are microorganisms which are not part of your major flora. So they're not considered to be part of the family of bifidus bacteria or lactobacillus. Yet they are found in your intestinal tract and they're particularly found in the intestinal tract of healthy people as opposed to unhealthy people. Interestingly enough, when they were discovered, soil-based organisms were found in the ground and in the surrounding ground where the soil-based organisms occupied, harmful microbes, different funguses, yeasts, and whatnot would not grow. This is when they were first discovered this way. They're predominantly in the soils, but as I said earlier, if you study the flora of healthy people, you will find tiny amounts of these soil-based organisms naturally occurring. The soil-based organism regulates candida by phagocytosis, uh, phagocytosis is the act in which a blood cell, a white blood cell usually, consumes harmful microbes. So literally, what's, what they're doing is they're eating or devouring the harmful organism. It's very interesting. They actually engulf and, and eat or destroy the harmful organisms, which is different than how your probiotics work, which are part of your normal flora. They more crowd around or repel harmful organisms um, using electronic charge. Probiotics are different than soil-based organisms. I would not call a soil-based organisms probiotics. But they are effective in literally eating up the bad organisms, and particularly candida. Several companies make soil-based organisms. I haven't come across any one which I would recommend necessarily more than another. They all appear to be quite useful and effective. One thing I would share with you, though, is the dosage that needs to be taken for them to be effective or for them to produce some type of a die-off is much higher than the manufacturer typically recommends. We very often uh, recommend three to four times a higher dose than what's on the package or the labeling of the soil-based organism in order to uh, have the person experience a Herxheimer reaction 
or a die-off. Now, that doesn't mean that you necessarily want a pregnant woman to be going through Herxheimer and die-off when they're taking the soil-based organisms. It doesn't, doesn't mean that's something that's necessary, but it is something which will occur in anyone who takes the correct amount of the soil-based organisms. Now, in doing this, you have a combination of diet, you have avoiding bad drugs, which could aggravate the situation of the pregnant woman, you have the soil-based organisms, and you have the fatty acid products, or the fatty ester products, which are antifungal. This represents a pretty, a pretty decent arsenal that you have for your pregnant patient or for the pregnant women against the candida. And this is very important because what's apt to happen when a candida patient becomes pregnant is the candida is apt to get worse. The person is going to be more reactive to sugar, more reactive to starch, and you run the risk of having a person after pregnancy having a worse case of candida than they did before. And then not only that, but now they're also bearing a child or have a child that has candida, which is, of course, that's a bad situation. So the use of this type of protocol of the diet, avoiding the drugs, the fatty esters, the soil-based organisms, is a very good plan to keep things under control. Now, we do not expect an eradication of candida by this program. Um, we expect that the candida will be kept in check. It's very possible the person could continue to improve in their candida condition while they're pregnant and while they're on this type of program, especially if they're pretty good with the diet. But the end result that you're going with is not an eradication of the candida like you would if you were using the standard Biamonte method of phase zero, one, and two. Here you're going more towards trying to keep the condition under control. When the pregnancy is over, then you can return the person back to the standard Biamonte method, and we could then look for an eradication of the candida. It's unreasonable to believe that you can eradicate candida in a pregnant woman. First of all, you have at your disposal the two antifungal categories, you have the soil-based organisms, you have the fatty esters, which are effective, but they're not overwhelming. That's a problem. Uh, they're not overwhelming. We've been asked if you could combine the standard phase zero program with this, and the answer is yes. Well, we've looked at this many times, and the standard phase zero program appears to be compatible with pregnancy because keep in mind the products on phase zero are not absorbed into the bloodstream they stay in the intestinal tract so this list really limits the exposure of these products to the fetus there's been a lot of concern about de which is diatomaceous earth and pregnancy i have i have not found any reference anywhere showing that de was harmful in pregnancy Based on the nature of how DE works and what it is, people still are concerned about it. 
And that being the case, I would say by all, by all uh, means, it's fine then if it's not taken. In the phase zero program, one could use candy scrub, candy loosener, and the enzyme. If you're in, in, in our case, we're using BV similase from Tyler right now as the cellulose digesting enzyme. That could be a very uh, effective phase zero without the deatomaceous earth for the pregnant woman. And then you would combine that phase zero program with either the fatty ester products or the soil-based organisms or a mixture of both. It's better to do a mixture of both because then you're having different mechanisms or modes of action entering in to your candida elimination as opposed to all the modes of action being the same. Uh, Question just came in from someone by email. And I'm going to take this up right now because this is where we, where we could also be going in this discussion. Um, can the body develop an immunity to soil-based organisms? Uh, well, the answer is no, it cannot. It does not develop a, an immunity to soil-based organisms. And that's one of the beauties of them. Um, because if, they, if you could develop a soil, uh, an immunity to the soil based, that could be a problem. Now, When you're dealing with the pregnant woman, what's very important is that you try to manage the diet. Managing the diet is super important because the diet is the thing that's the most fragile. It's the thing that can create the majority of the symptoms. Trying to keep her on the correct diet is important. I mentioned earlier the using five small meals per day or six small meals per day. That's, that's definitely important. Um, the other aspect of the diet, which you cannot overlook, which would be is a disaster overlook, is the fat intake. Fat intake in the diet is really important because fat helps to control blood sugar. So when we're dealing with the fat intake, we want to use healthy fats, hopefully. Uh, we want to use the fats that come from nuts, seeds, nut and seed butters, things of that nature. And that helps to control sugar cravings. That's very important. It's something that's very much overlooked when you're dealing with controlling sugar cravings is the use of fat because fat's always had a bad, rather bad reputation.
All right, folks, I think that is a good outline today of what we have in dealing with pregnancy. As I said in the, in, in the introduction, it's, it's very simple, not very complicated. You have the, the basic concept of dealing with the diet, using fat, using substances like the hemp seeds to try to control the blood sugar, making sure you eat frequent meals to try to control the blood sugar, if the person, the pregnant person comes up with wild cravings during the pregnancy, it's often a good idea to try to use um, some of the substitutes that you could find in the health food store. Like, let's say a pregnant woman is craving ice cream. Well, ice cream, not such a bad thing, generally speaking, for the pregnancy, but the sugar in the ice cream would be bad for candida. So you would want to find a sugar in the uh, an ice cream in the health food store that's sweetened, in a using a, a sweetener which would not aggravate the candida. You'd look for something that's using small amounts of stevia or xylitol, or um, as such. There are also ice cream products now being made from coconut, where instead of using dairy, they use all coconut. Now, that is an excellent uh, substitute for ice cream in the pregnant woman because the coconut ultimately is antifungal. Coconut contains MCT oils, which are themselves antifungal. And if you can find a coconut ice cream product, which is not sweetened with cane sugar or something bad, then you have something which a person could uh, use to handle their cravings that's not bad for them and actually good for them. We have the use of the fatty ester products like caprylic acid, uh, bluracidin or monolaurin, and undiselenic acid. And then we have the soil-based organisms. Putting these all together, you have a reasonably decent plan for the pregnant woman to keep things from getting out of control. I hope this information has been useful. It certainly is of great interest and importance because pregnant women, as I said before, are left out in the cold by both the manufacturers of pharmaceuticals and the manufacturers of the natural antifungal products. I have found these two categories of products to be safe as far as I could tell. So these are usable and workable to keep the candida under control while the person's going through their pregnancy. Tune in this Thursday for another edition of the Candida Chronicles with your host, Michael Biamonte, clinical nutritionist. And we will speak to you then. That's a wrap for this episode of the Candida Chronicles featuring Michael Biamonte, certified clinical nutritionist. Michael holds a doctorate of nutropathy and is a New York State certified clinical nutritionist. He is a professional member of the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists and of the American College of Nutrition, and he's a member of the Scientific Advisory Board for the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330.